It's Just Business with Steve Thomas and your host, Chris Larry. Hello and welcome to another episode of It's Just Business on the Hogstein Network. The show where we look at the dollars and the cents of the sports, sports, media, business, industrial complex. How you doing today, Steve? I'm doing all right, man. It's uh, we're recording on a Monday night, which is a little bit unusual for us. I'm so I'm, it's uh, it's a little bit different to think about sports business on at night, but all is well. How about you? Oh, you know, normal falls in full swing. I always have concert reports because I go to a lot of concerts, so I have another one. If you're interested in hearing it, are you ready? Sure, let me hear it. Alice in Chains and Guns N' Roses. Is that basically Axel and a variety of players behind him? No, see, they have reformed. It's that that band is gone, and it's Axel slash and the bassist Duff McKagan, Duff. and then a bunch Duff of McKagan. other guys. Yeah, that there's there was so the drummer is like someone I've never heard of. There's a keyboard player there now, which I don't know what you know. I still don't know what they do after even watching the show. And then there's a woman there who's behind another keyboard who sings. I, you know, I heard the background vocals, but I felt life and he cannot figure out what she was playing. And I'm a musician. I couldn't figure out what she's playing. She's probably uh, just there to help uh, Axel hit back up Axel on the high notes. Well, I think she <laughs> might have been helping Axel hit the hit the pre-recorded tracks there too a little bit because I mean the very first song the guy was hitting that high screeching falsetto thing he does and it's so easy. You know, like just like the album, I thought, hmm, this doesn't. But but I just but Allison Chains is great. But um, if you're designing, if you happen to be in a major rock band, and you're listening to this, allow me to give you a bit of advice. Do not play a three-hour show when you only have three albums anybody's heard. Okay, let's not do that. These guys played three hours. First of all, it was on a Thursday, and they didn't go on before eight. Uh, until after eight and so i missed the last 40 minutes i had to go home i had to get up for work you know at four in the morning so i couldn't stay there all day um but if they would just cut out like the 15 cover songs they did it would have been a much better show cut it down to like a two hours max just play the hits nobody cares about your uh, duff mckagan punk cover you know so that was my complaint but the show you know but beyond that certainly great from what i saw though i missed the end Allison Chains was the opener, I assume. Allison Chains, up. I missed the beginning of Allison Chains because I had I couldn't get out of the office in time to see him. But but they have you know Lane Staley's dead, died of yeah. a drug overdose and everything. So they have a new guy who's there who obviously who sounds exactly like him. I mean, like to a T, does Lane Staley's vocals. So that was good. John Field Rooster, like that type. Yeah, of stuff. that. Yeah, he could do all that. I, I think that might have been Jerry Cantrell doing some of that. But but. The the new guy, great. So yeah, if you're an Allison Chains fan, highly recommend it. I was very glad we didn't. They they've got um, who's the uh, Carrie Underwood is the other opener on some of these Guns and Roses shows. I was very what? glad I did. Very glad I did not have to sit through Carrie Underwood. <laughs> that makes no sense. Uh, nothing Axl Rose does makes sense. So Chris, okay, he's a maniac. And he didn't bring out their uh, old guitar player Buckethead at any point. No, no, Buckethead is long gone. <laughs> Well, Buckethead I, I, though is an amazing, amazing virtuoso guitarist though. Yeah, I'm know, not, I, speaking as a guitarist, he's unbelievable. And some people are like wonder, you know, like you know, maybe he's someone we actually know, you know underneath the bucket. It's really like Ingve Malmsteen, or right? I've heard rumors that it's somebody that like if the bucket was revealed, we'd know. <laughs> it's possible. I mean, you know, who knows? But you know, you can't have him and Slash in the same band because no, it's like no, two no. polar. You know, you they would kill each other. Well, I'm going to see a band on Wednesday, Steve, called the Cut Worms. So there you go. That's almost Guns N' Roses. Who are the Cut Worms? What do they play? <laughs> uh, it's just sort of like, you know, kind of almost retro folk rock. Not Folk rock's probably a little bit lighter than they actually are, but, you know, jangly that's, pop songs. That sounds like very much like right in Chris Larry's wheelhouse. It is very much in my wheelhouse. Mine is Guns um, N' Roses and Iron Maiden. Yours is the Cut Worms. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, I do enjoy some Guns N' Roses. Um, all right. Well, uh, 
Well, let's talk about something that we've both professed on here many times that we, that we no longer really enjoy, and that's the N- NBA. Um, but for those of you that do enjoy the NBA, which is many of you, um, we've got – there's a lot of good news in the NBA world, including it looks like we have labor peace, I think, until at least uh, 2029. Yeah, and so this story is actually fairly old, okay? But we just like missed oh glad we just missed this a couple months ago. So this is not new, new, but this is new to us, and probably most of you didn't know this because it wasn't really covered very well. So yeah, so first of all, labor piece for the upcoming season through 2029. Um, so they have made some important changes, and it's they're a little bit buried in the weeds and. Full confession, I did not have time to study all of this really, really in depth like I normally would. Otherwise, we could talk for three hours about it. So we're just going to glaze over some of this to give you the basics. So the most important thing to understand is that the NBA is was, was a soft cap and is still a soft cap. What do I mean by that? That means that there is a cap, but teams can exceed the cap under certain conditions. In contrast, the NFL is a hard cap. There is no exception. You cannot exceed the cap no matter what, hard cap. The NBA has always had a soft cap. Why is that? Um, Well, not the the why is because that's what they bargained, but the effect of that is that it uh, allows the wealthier teams to spend a lot more money. So one big thing, and by the way, what where we found this, again, this is a couple months old. Um, this is on CBS Sports, NBA, CBA 101, everything to know about the new agreement from salary cap to free agency and beyond by Sam Quinn, if you want to look this up. One major change is what this, this column is talking about is instituting what's called a, another an, an apron, a second apron. And so what this what this is all about is is basically think of it as a tier of the cap, okay? So there's a f- initial tier that you get no penalties for exceeding. Then there's another one above that where you can get up to that level with certain conditions and with certain exceptions. And then the second tier, if you rise above that, which is a little bit higher, um, then you have a whole lot more penalties and a whole lot more restrictions. And so what they're doing, this is a way to... The institution of this second apron level is a way to try to rein in the spendings of the richer teams somewhat Um, because it's not just it is a number, but the trick is what happens if you exceed the number. Um, One of the ways the richer teams have always controlled their rosters through what's called the mid-level exception. And so, you know, they 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 can sign. Uh, players to max deals once they run out of cap room then they'd have one middle mid-level exception which means they can exceed the cap the, the the initial cap by a certain amount to re-sign their own players well if you are above this new second apron level then you can't use the mid-level exception so that means if you spend a bunch of money on lebron james um or kevin durant or whoever um, it, it, and you've really blown the salary cap, then you may not have the mid-level exception, which means that you are not going to be able to hold your roster g- together in the same way. So the, the trickle-down effect of that is that it might depress the upper-end salaries a little bit um, so as to allow teams to more fully control their roster. That is, I think, a fairly major change. Um, thoughts so far? Well, I think just to sort of take a, a step back, I think, you know, it's a real win for the NBA that we that this was barely a blip news story and it even got past us. And now we're a couple months later talking about it because to have to have your labor negotiations, if, you know, think of the backdrop. There's been UAW, UPS, all the stuff in the entertainment industry with the writers and actors. So we lots of sort of very, very current event examples of labor unrest. And not to mention that this is a regular theme in sports, um, you know, with NHL seasons wiped out, Major League Baseball seasons, lock, you know, wiped out, lockouts and blah, blah, blah. So for this to be this easy and this much of a non-story to me is actually a huge story. Because this really, you know, this really does mean that there is pretty broad consensus about how to run management labor between the NBA and its players. 
which if you especially think about the sort of reputation of the NBA with the player movement and the player run league, you know, you would have guessed there would have been a little bit more fighting. But to have all of this stuff wrapped up, I mean, we don't know what the implications of some of these rules changes and you won't know for years, really, until the, the better GMs figure out how to game it. The worst GMs fall victim to it, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so you can't really give the scorecard on it until three years, four years from now. But the fact that the NBA was able to make this a non-issue, I think, is a pretty big victory for them. And it's not. This is a very complicated system they have here. Very. It's way more complicated than the NFL's salary cap. Um, so I, yeah, that's a very good point. I like the fact that you took a step back and and said all that because yeah i'm these kind of stories don't usually get by us very well Uh, you know we've choose not to cover some uh, you know on here but this just totally escaped us and so i'm glad we're hitting it now but yeah it's a a big win there was never any talk of a strike there was never any talk of a lockout really they sat down they did this um and so that's good um for those wondering the split is 50 50 of what's called basketball related income and so that is a lower so some of the income the owners keep for themselves, uh, you know. And I don't have a big split of this. It's usually like things like parking and you know concessions and things like that. Sometimes some certain types of um, uh, sponsorships sometimes aren't basketball related income. So it's not an even fifty fifty of absolutely everything, but it's fifty fifty of basketball related income. Um, and so this this season salary cap is going to be 122.7 million per team, but again, that's the soft cap. So what I'm talking about with the the aprons is our tiers about when you get more penalties. And so there's a luxury tax line, just like baseball. Major League Baseball is a luxury tax line. You go over this number, then you have to pay tax. The NBA has that, and some of that stuff has moved around. Um, and, and all of these restrictions i think the tone what you need to know is the tone and tenor of all these restrictions is all designed to make it harder for the richer teams to spend more money that is the way if you want to summarize it that is the way a lot of this is gone um let's see here um free agency Um, I said mid-level exception. Um, and the other thing that the second apron eliminates is the buyout market. That is gone. Um, four teams above the second apron. Um, even <laughs> min contracts are, are, are different from the, the, the second apron is a tier that you're going to see a lot of teams try to keep under because it's really, it's limiting their ability to resign their players. It's limiting their ability to even, give men salary um, um, in here. So let's see what else is interesting. Have, the, the, the aprons do have a, an effect on, there's also trade restrictions within the aprons as well. Yes. So yeah. It, there's also, it also has implications for how teams make deals. Yeah. And, and again, in, in the whole, it's designed to clamp down uh, because the, the NBA is a, is a league that has had teams wildly blow the caps. And some do, some don't, it, much like baseball. And so they're really trying to rein that in. This is, I think if you had the NBA commissioner here, what they're probably trying to do is more even out competitive balance here. You don't want the Celtics and the Lakers and, you know, the same kind of teams every year blowing the cap, signing a bunch of free agents. And so I think that's probably where they're going. Um, one interesting thing they've done here is they are um, – um, they, they've created some more exceptions to allow players to go back and forth between the G League and the main league. They've they've added some more spots for that, which is going to take away um, take away a bit of salary cap for the rest of the people. But that's that's kind of a bone to throw for the teams at the bottom. So there's that. They've loosened the rules simultaneously. Have loosened the rules for what players can get a super max contract. So that will allow more players to get that. So that's um, good for them. Um, they've loosened the rules They've to allow longer extensions to rookie deals. So that is good for players. Um, 
Yeah, you said the trade. So the teams above the second apron, the second limit, have limited trade capabilities. Um, here's an interesting point. Not really salary cap, but this new CBA requires teams to have played in six, at least 65 games to be eligible for major individual awards. So these older players out there, the LeBrons, Durant, Kawhi Leonard, these type of guys who don't play full seasons, a lot of them will not be eligible for awards. I don't know why they would do that. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily in the league's best interest to limit it like that, uh, but that's what they've done. Yeah, no, that that was a little bit of a weird wrinkle I read. Now, Steve, you're way more live in the world of contracts than I do. Although I'm, you know, my my daily life and and work life brings me across with them every once in a while. Is apron a a, a contract legal term? Is this something they made up just for this? No, I've never heard the term aprons like this. It's not. I, I it's either. I, I, this is not common parlance in contracts, put that way. Just think of it as a tier, okay? There's the lowest tier is the basic salary cap. The one apron up, which is, uh, you know, you go above it by a certain amount. You hit the, the next tier up, you have some more restrictions. The difference is now they've created a second tier above the min, which imp- imp- which imposes all these restrictions. It eliminates the mid-level exception, li- limits trades, um, you know, affects min-salary players. Um, so that's a whole nother tier. Think of an apron as a tier. It's a whole nother one designed to de-incentivize teams from going way over the cap. That's what it is. Yeah, I'd never, I'd never run across that before. Me but neither. the reason... So this is all interesting, and apparently they're all happy, players and management, you know, yada, yada. Um, But the reason why, and probably a prime motivator for getting their labor situation under control and under control for a chunk of time is because the NBA right now is sitting in almost the ultimate catbird seat in terms of its next media deal. We've been talking about this for a while and that this was coming up. I think April is when the window that they can start negotiating that is. We're referencing an article, NBA can shift the balance of of power and media with its next rights deal by an Alex Sherman in CNBC. Um, You can probably find this many places, but this is where we're kind of getting some of our information. And basically, the feeding frenzy is starting now. or people are, are these, you know, these media giants are lining up right now. It's TNT and, and Disney with its ABC and ESPN properties that basically own it. They're the incumbents in this. But Comcast, NBC Universal, Google, you, you know, Google's YouTube, Amazon, Apple, even Netflix is thinking about getting into the bidding. And you can be sure that the NBA wanted to tout to these media companies that they have labor peace now for the next seven years. Um, and so they needed that in the bag to really be the cherry on top, which which will probably be a mind-numbing media deal that's coming up here for the NBA, with at least three partners probably. Yeah, of all of these, it was Netflix that really caught my attention because the rest of these we've heard of, yeah, like they mentioned, it's just a little off the wall, Warner Brothers Discovery Channel. That's a bit off the wall, but it's not that far off the beaten path. Netflix is is Netflix just doesn't do live programming. Number one, I mean, I and not to say they've never done it, uh, you know, but um, they don't regularly do live programming. So that would be a major, major change in. And um, I, they they did apparently bid on F Formula One on F One a while ago, which is we just don't really talk about Formula One on this show because it's you know not really an American thing of any notoriety at least. Um, that is big, and and I think that's what. Excuse me. So I think what that tells us is that Netflix is thinking about its future because if you go back a decade or more. Uh, you know, remember where Netflix started? They were a, a home DVD delivery service, you know, and they, they've expanded and changed with the times. And at one point, they kind of owned the rights, owned the market, rather, to streaming programming. It, you know, and they had every movie. If you wanted to watch any movie, all of them were on Netflix. 
And now that every single media company has its own streaming service, Netflix is pretty much limited to its own programming and the stuff they can buy off the scrap heap, basically. And so they're trying to make themselves more competitive and to think about basketball. That was the one that really caught my attention out of all these. Yeah, and, it, and the article goes into this a little bit, but I think their motivator is uh, quietly or they launched their ad supported 699 a month which is their lowest their lowest apron their lowest tier uh subscription service that you can get but you basically get ads right and most of these streaming services have a version of this they were kind of late into this so that starts to part of it is i think if they've and they're claiming now that they make more revenue from the from that ad supported uh tier than they do the the more traditional 13 14 1599 no ad so I think one is they've conditioned a large chunk of their audiences to accepting ads. And so a big jump into live something like sports is it's got to have ads, right? You're not I mean, you watch the Thursday night football on Amazon and it looks just like a game on Fox or CBS or NBC. There's it's normal the same commercials, the normal amount blah blah blah. So I think it's I think you can sort of see Netflix's strategy of normalizing an audience to to deal with commercials, um, and so then doing something like you know NBA night, NBA night in America or whatever on Netflix on Fridays or whatever it would be with commercials is a, a lot less of a conceptual jump. And if they think that this six ninety nine price point is actually a, a product of note for them, then they can sell those 699s on the back of the NBA and people won't bout, they won't be balking at the commercials. Yeah. I was a bit surprised to, to read this, this column, this article does claim that the 699 tier is actually more profitable. I, I found that shocking. Yeah, me too. Uh, that, that really amazed me. Um, but I think that's a, that's a good point. Uh, you know, um, I, I, I think if you go into the younger generation, like the millennial set, they really don't like commercials. Uh, you know, a lot of them just aren't used to commercials. They don't want to watch commercials. And so you, you like you and I, Chris, we're a lot older than that. And so we're for us, commercials aren't that big a deal. Uh, you know, we, we grew up with commercials. You, you can fast forward through them, you know, maybe nowadays. But there were years when it's you had to watch the commercials. These this the younger generation the twenty the millennials do not so you really have to get them used to commercials and so this is kind of a way you know you have the younger crowd not as much money to you and I you know fifteen sixteen bucks versus seven bucks it's not worth arguing about we're just going to do the sixteen dollar one and be done with it uh, but that's not the case for a lot of younger folks who are still kind of starting out in life and so to normalize commercials with them um, I, I think helps and so that's. That is uh, a good point, I think. Um, but the larger point here, remember, I, I think is what we, we started this with, which is the NBA is catching this at the exact right time. Labor peace, yes. Um, right after the NFL just signed a new gigantic media rights you know, deal you know, a couple years ago, um, streaming is exploding, and they're making no bones about yeah, you know, the proposals here are all about streaming games you know, and all these things. Um, this is no longer like the future is almost here. It's the future is here permanently with this streaming stuff. I mean, the 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 um, con the networks they're talking about, the broadcast games are an afterthought. The network broadcast stuff is an afterthought on these things, which is a little different, I think, than in the past. And even with the incumbents, uh, Disney with its ESPN and ABC properties and uh, Warner Brothers Discovery with all of its uh, TNT and TBS and that whole thing, even let's say they are two of the three providers and, and they add a third, those they're going to be mostly on streaming too, right? Or they're going to double, you know, you're going to, you know, the because those both those companies obviously have streaming services. So you'll see even if the incumbents keep it, yes, it'll be on ABC or some of the games or things that we called cable or broadcast TV. But they'll also either be simulcasting and I would bet even also have an exclusive series of um, content that is only on the streaming versions of those incumbents as well. But is Warner Brothers Discovery not the Discovery Channel? Is that 
Warner Brothers Corporate, like a new name? I didn't realize. Yeah, so it's David Zasloff on Discovery Media, and then a year and a half ago, he bought uh, the Time Warner Holdings, which is essentially HBO, CNN, and uh, and all the you know TNT and all those properties, and then all of the Warner Brothers catalog movies, DC. Oh, movies. it's a lot more broad than I'm glad you brought this up. A lot more broad than what I thought. Yeah. So about. now David Zavs. So he brought all that like trash reality show that Discovery is <laughs> right, and and that's why they went from HBO Max to Max because now because it, they didn't want it to be known as just HBO, which is kind of insane, but. So instead, Max, the streaming service, is all those things I just mentioned. I'm going to call this an Elon Musk-level marketing mistake. Changing, You have a property like HBO that is known everywhere, much like Elon Musk had Twitter that is known everywhere. And so what they've done to HBO is kind of like what Twitter has done, which is eliminate the famous name and put some of their name that nobody knows on it. And that's really stupid. I think that part is really dumb. Um, but regardless, um, the, the NBA here, I think, is set to make an absolute fortune. And by the way, I should have mentioned, not to go backwards too much, but um, one of the things that is in this new... CBA is to smooth out the income level. And what I mean by that, if you go back to 2016, there was a string of players who were signing who's that year who signed massive, massive, massive deals. And the reason was the income spiked in the first year of the new media deal back then. So that this current uh, CBA, the new one smooths that out. So it does not allow the Tyler cap to spike like that. So that'll be better kind of for, for the long term. Um, I, I, you know, I come back to all these streaming services. When are we going to see some master companies start to bundle all these together? I've always said to go back to something we said in other shows, it's going to take like a Comcast, you know, or, or Time Warner to basically remarket cable TV as all these streaming services. Well, they sort and, of already they sort of already begun that, and so the the this Warner, the Max, um, and even the Disney bundle. You know, there's you're starting to see it now. You, where we went from like you're starting to see them consolidate. So like a year ago, we were talking about what what I had to pick from these twelve services. Now. Now you're starting. You are starting to see that. You're also starting to see Amazon and actually Hulu. Amazon's the best example. You can now a la carte all those things. So you can actually and and YouTube TV as well. So you you can already see it's already happening now. There's like a little mini race war on who can race war. That's, you might want to delete that. It's one. not a race there's war. A, <laughs> yeah, there's a a, a, a race to see who can consolidate faster, just like there was a one to see who could sort of, you know, kind of break these things apart. So it just ebbs and flows. You can, you can already see that. And, the, and as we said many times, live sports will be, you know, a big driver, which is probably one of the reasons why Netflix at least wants to be and even just have their name. I don't think they'll get this. Um, I think it's saber rattling to a degree, but they want to be, you know, the first step is being wanted to be seen in a conversation when these things come up. Well, weirdly, I mean, Netflix Netflix is kind of behind the times now uh, a little bit. It, you know, it's funny how marketing goes because they were once ahead of the pack. But again, once all these other companies um, start, you know, holding on to their properties, Netflix is no longer kind of the leader in the clubhouse. I, I could foresee a world if Netflix, you know, I don't know if Netflix disappears anytime soon, but has a much, much lower profile and much, much lower marketing share. They already kind of do. They already are losing customers, you know, now. And so they have to do something, I think. And so bidding on sports is one way to do it. And this is just the package that's up now, NBA. 
And you can't like the one service you can't get other services through. Like I can go to Amazon and just like kind of old school cable, I can get, you know, what do they call them? The premium add-ons, right? You can get Amazon. I can go to Amazon. I can get almost get any add-on. The Paramount Plus, Peacock, uh, Max. You can actually just get those subscriptions through Amazon. They, you know, and then kind of do an a la carte. You can't you can't go into Netflix and do that. But what's interesting is in this move from Discovery, they have actually, which is to your point, what Netflix used to do more, a lot more of. Now, because H Max Warner Discovery has devalued their HBO brand. In the last three months, they've gone and licensed old popular HBO shows to guess who? Netflix. So now just like to eight or ten years ago when the thing was you'd, you'd almost – it was like the secondary market. You'd license Netflix to carry a season of TV or whatever. Now D Warner Discovery is doing the exact same thing and just licensing popular HBO shows back to Netflix. Uh, you know, Netflix is kind of the blockbuster video of <laughs> – 15 yeah. 10 years ago which is a bit <laughs> ironic because netflix destroyed blockbuster video <laughs> i know it, it is really it, these things are just eat eat themselves and each other at like such a at like such a fast rate who's your i you have predictions on who the three uh winners are here oh uh time warner number one i don't i do not think netflix is gonna win on this no um I'm going to say Amazon because Amazon just wins everything. So I'm going to say um, Amazon, Time Warner, and then Comcast, I think. Those are the big players. I think they'll they'll be the winners. What about you? I think the incumbents will stay that way. So I do think that Disney, ESPN, et cetera, et cetera, and uh, Warner Discovery, et cetera, et cetera, will – because I – you know, the – NBA on TNT is a big deal, right? Like, yes. so they're going to, so I think you'll see those two things stay. And that's really interesting. So I think you're really seeing a battle for the third, the third partner here. I think Amazon is, is a good guess. At some point, Apple is going to pick a bet. You know, they've, they've taken some smaller bets with, with major league soccer and a few other things. Uh, I think it's probably between Amazon and Apple to see who gets the kind of experimental slot of the three. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. Uh, you know, probably so. Amazon just seems to be the winner on all these things. I, I, I don't. I've, I think I've said on this show before. I think at some point the federal government's going to break Amazon up in a in an antitrust lawsuit. At some point. Well, maybe. I actually have a very good friend of mine. We've been friends since middle school and have remained friends till middle age. Uh, but she is actually currently one of the lead lawyers on a Amazon antitrust lawsuit as we speak. Oh. Um, so uh, this one is about how they have squeezed the secondary market by putting all of these restrictive price setting rules on their secondary market sellers um, that are crushing those sellers and then just consolidating things back to Amazon. So they gobbled up all the secondary sellers. Then they put all these price fixes on them that they had to be, that they couldn't have a price on Amazon that was higher than they would, might have on their own website or store, you know? So that meant that it's just undercutting all those sellers. And so it's a big class action suit there. So there's, like they're there's one front. They're eating the competition, more or less. Yeah. So it's kind of what that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, like, so come to Amazon, team. sell your products. And by the way, we're going to crush you with yeah. regulations so you can't <laughs> actually outsell your product. Come into the house, come into the house, lock the door, set it on fire. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, they, they've got they've got threats all over the place. But, you know, back to sort of the world that we're in talking about here. You know, their their NBA broadcast. I mean, sometimes they get some dog games, you know, see uh, Bears commanders. But um, but they have been getting high marks about how they pulled off the, the, the talent they've got doing their studio shows, doing, you know, the their production values. Uh, so, you know, I mean, I think they're showing that they can do a game of the week type of well, didn't uh, mention this broadcast. on the show here a while, a while ago that the ratings are through the roof compared to yeah. what right. they're know, getting. Normal ratings. Yeah. Uh, normal football ratings, basically, you know, on Amazon prime. So you know, I think I Amazon to, would be a safe bet. Yeah. Even I had to download an illegal stream to watch the Washington Bears game last week. 
Well, I'm not going to pay Amazon, but I, I was happy to do it illegally. The joke's on, yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> Can't whether say who, it, Whether you got it through Prime or whether you got it through a pirate feed, the joke is on all of us. <laughs> I got it through a pirate feed. <laughs> so it should be super interesting. Hey, but just to cap off this conversation, I saw this stat, and I'll give you a little pop quiz, Steve. If you were to rank the two streaming services that are most hemorrhaging users, who would they be? Netflix, one, and what's NBC Universal streaming service? Peacock. Netflix and Peacock. So uh, you would be wrong, Steve. Um, It is actually Disney. And oh. and Warner Discovery. Oh, I should have guessed Disney. Yeah, Disney was the obvious one. I blew that one. I should have known that one. Disney has done a lot of things. This is like you could write a book on how to not operate a media company in modern times and use Disney as an example. You know, but but Time Warner, and I don't want to get into that because it's way beyond sports and it's cultural, and maybe that's another show. I would not have guessed. Time Warner, though. I mean, why? Well, I think it was a. They just. I think it's to your point earlier. They they ran roughshod. If a year ago, HBO Max was the fastest was was the fastest gaining subscriber of the bunch, and now they're one of the two losing uh, the fastest. Well, I it part maybe because of Game of Thrones. Yeah, I just think it's also that just like they damage the brand so much that no one even knows what it is. It's the the Max thing is kind of the new Coke of this generation. Yeah, no, it was although although they have a theory that HBO is too snooty. So if they if they're selling mass market reality shows and really trying to be a more like basically a cable like offering, that HBO was too snobby. It was too arugula <laughs> and red wine. Nobody's going to watch the Kardashians on HBO. Right? Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what they thought. So we have to drop the HBO. And things sure to go wrong. <laughs> I should have known but, Disney. I feel bad about not guessing Disney. Yeah. So those are the two that right now. Actually, Peacock is doing good. Um, and uh, you'll be unsurprised to learn one of the major reasons is because you can stream uh, Sunday Night Football. Well, so. Yes. Football has made Peacock viable. Not not a shock if you're paying attention to anything. A couple other quick stories, Steve. One is, I, I can't even, I, I've given up keeping up with these conferences in, in, in college sports. Uh, and apparently Gonzaga is moving to the Big 12, which makes the Big 12 just a ridiculously huge uh at least basketball conference at this point but we're reading something in the i the messenger sports section i've never heard of this news service before yeah me um, neither but this doesn't actually say they are moving it says they're no, the, talking the, the talks have reconsumed resumed yes but they're pretty aggressive in the talks the article is by seth davis who is actually a legitimate uh sports yeah. player so uh i would trust the messenger here but it says big 12 has resumed high level conference realignment talks with gonzaga and this was an exclusive to the messenger um and big 12 commissioner brent uh your mark uh has basically kind of been a surprise even to the other presidents in the big 12 at a recent big 12 meeting said i know i had pulled the iron out of the fire with gonzaga but the fire is very much back in um and i would suspect that that means if he comes back at a second kick of the can and is that aggressive with it it probably happens but yeah it's no it's no guarantee but you know we just continue to see you know this realignment of these power conferences well uh, you know does gonzaga even have a football team at all no i think this is this is very you know it's almost like they're they're adding talent on both sides right so like this is definitely a basketball move. Well, clearly they're a basketball powerhouse, but it's not the best option in the world because they will not, you know, Gonzaga, if they do play football, it's certainly not at any kind of level anybody's ever heard of. And I really don't think they even play for, I've never heard of a Gonzaga football. No, me neither. Um, And so, yeah, this is strictly a basketball move for sure here, but this is, uh, you know, another response to the realignment 
of college sports. What conferences will survive? You know, look at what, you know, this, this column mentions that Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, Colorado, all abandoned the Pac-12 for the Big 12. Uh, you know, it's it's haves or have-nots. And so the Big 12 is trying to compete. Because let's be honest, I mean, the preeminent conferences overall, obviously, are the SEC and the Big 10. You know, and so this is the Big 12 trying to compete, at least in the basketball realm, by bringing a perennial Elite Eight Final Four level team into the fold. And I do agree with you. I think if they're talking this much about it and they've gone back and forth, um, I think it'll probably, it'll probably, you know, it'll probably happen, I would assume. Because I, I, to be honest, I don't even know what conference Gonzaga is even in right now. Do you? No, because I've lost track of, of all of that. And this they're looking to push this to, to start as early as 2025. So this isn't one of those, like, you know, down the road. Thing. In fact, I think there may even be a push to start as not this season, obviously, but maybe even the season after that. Um, yeah, it's fascinating. You know, it's so funny about the, the Pac-10. The Pac-10 might be the best. The last year of the Pac-10 might be the best conference in college football right now (laughs) (laughs) ironically yeah yeah (laughs) like you'd think some of these people would just stand pat and just sort of stick with what the tradition and whatnot but yeah it's another it's another uh we'll see you know we'll see it's good for gonzaga you know i can see why they would do it gonzaga is part of something called the west coast conference right exactly like what is that you know i don't know um it's doesn't it's I guess it does surprise me a little bit because there is zero football. You know, I, I would have thought the Big Twelve might have tried to draw in a team that can do both, but I guess it's worth it for them if they get a perennial Final Four level talent like Gonzaga. I guess it's worth it for them. I suppose. Yeah, I think they're, you know, I think at that point they're sort of like adding little like add-ons to both sides of the house, you know, and this will bolster our basketball presence because they've got to, because to your point, they've got to stay relevant as a top three conference in both sports. Because the the Pac-12 is basically dead at this point. Yeah. So, Uh, I mean, they're down to, we read a story, I think we did a story on this before maybe. Three? Yeah. What's that? Three teams? Is it going to be three well, teams? Well, yeah, that, but, um, you know, the latest scuttlebutt was whether the Mountain West was going to try to buy yeah. the IP <laughs> and basically turn themselves into, you know, the pack. It's like, it's basically like Chris and I going out and trying to buy, you know, the IP for, you know, like Pepsi. <laughs> you know, that's kind of what, creating our own <laughs> soft drink and slapping the Pepsi logo on it or whatever, the Mr. Pib level. You know, maybe. I mean, that is called desperation, kids. That if they're selling the IP to the likes of the Mountain West, that is truly desperation time. And so the Pac-12 is just not going to exist as a power conference. Simple as that. No, it's it's just it's just it's just crazy what's happening in in all these sports. Uh, well, sorry, not all these college sports. Um, and we'll see. Oh, you know, we didn't we didn't prep this, Steve. But one thing we didn't talk about, which is, uh, did you you did see that the XFL and the uh, USFL have merged? <laughs> I meant to bring that up to you. I just forgot. I, I, it's hilarious, really. I, I mean, it's like when two losing organizations get together. It, you know, two times zero is still zero. Uh, you know, yeah. that's the thing. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was really, I thought that was hysterical. I, I don't know what they think is going to happen. Sense, but. What do they think is this going to become? First of all, we all should have seen this coming. Everybody should have seen this coming. Uh, because neither one of them, they all got press for five minutes. You know, both of these leagues got press for five. Oh, the new league starting. People like Alex East, my compatriot on the Hawks, I... He's like the one guy who keeps up with this, all this stuff. Um, then it just falls by the wayside predictably, and that's what's happened. Um, and, and so it's kind of funny that they're, you know, they're like both of them are getting sucked into the black hole of minor league football now. And so they'll be gone here shortly. Don't worry. I heard, I also saw that they have one plan that they might self sell like, 
they might use a franchise model. And I don't mean a franchise like the Denver Nuggets or the New York Giants. I mean, like how you would sell McDonald's franchises. You know, you have that. <laughs> No, seriously, so they have like, oh, so you want to start a, you know, minor league football team in Toledo, you need to pony up X amount, you need to use this branding, and you need to use, and you need to play in this league, but, you know, the, but you, so we'll have as many teams as, reg, you know, cities that can then hit the bar. That is called things sure to go horribly wrong. <laughs> So yeah, uh, we should have. We should have. I'm glad I remember that one because I, uh, I thought that was hysterical. Maybe we need well, to have a hogsty team. Yeah, right. Yeah, so, so can we can we raise enough uh, uh, capital and we can we hit their franchise requirements? I don't think their franchise fee is going to be very much money at this rate. <laughs> we might be able to pull enough money to do that. Yeah, they they basically have to pay the the unlike you know where these other leagues are being paid, uh, you know the, to um, either their media rights they have okay. to pay to broadcast. Prediction time though, how long is the USFL XFL media conglomerate going to last before it goes the way of the dodo? I think it's got two years of runway at its current operating model. I mean, if they went. You know, it, the only path to success would be some combination of negotiating with the NFL and college football to be a development, like to actually have a, some kind of contract developmental league. Why would the NFL use. want to do that, though, when they already have a developmental league in the form of the NCAA? They would have to they would have to have a reason to do, they would have to say we want basically they'd have to solve the 19 or 20 year old that doesn't want to play college sports right what was that ohio running back uh was okay but name? that's few and far between though There's but if few. you gave if you gave those players the if they knew that was an option listen i'm not saying this is viable i'm saying you'd have to figure, <laughs> you'd have to figure out some way in which it made sense to the two tent poles and i'll tell you the other thing that really hurts is with the advent of nil in college football you don't I mean, they don't even need to get paid yeah <laughs> no i know they are, they're gonna make more money you know in college football you know so i um i was in my head i had two years also in my brain as an answer to my own question so i agree with you i think two years and the rock will move on to the latest you know king kong movie or something and that'll be that yeah no for sure um so hysterical um one sort of sad note that we'll end on is this happened probably about a little around a week after by the time you're listening to this around a week ago was the passing of the um, legendary Chicago Bears linebacker and really kind of, you know, building block of what we might call the modern NFL. Dick Buckus passed away, I think, at 80 or maybe in his 80s. Oh, 80. He was born December 9th, 1942, died October 5th of this year and you really can't separate dick butkus from how we understand the modern nfl now i don't think steve you don't remember watching him play right he's a little no bit i do not uh, his nfl history 1965 to 1973 chicago bears i was yeah, that's before my time yeah same same with me but as young sports fans and young football fans dick butkus was very central you know he was definitely the face of the NFL in many ways in during the eighties, right? Like he was, he was almost like, I know football had been around, but you kind of think about the modern TV version of the NFL. He was almost like a founding father of that, right? He was one of those first kind of transcendent players. Yeah. That's why we wanted to bring this up, obviously to honor, you know, his life, but, but I just, we want everybody to understand that he was one of the original faces of the modern NFL, uh, you know, kind of, I, I guess, look at as um, a guy like maybe Lawrence Taylor is looked at today was Dick Buckus back then. And he's one of the people that first got who helped to get attention to the NFL um, back then. And I didn't realize he was also in a lot more media after his career than anybody ever realized. What did you say it was 62 acting roles? Yeah, I definitely. I mean, I knew I knew of him as a football player for sure. But then he was also on television 
or even movies all the time was his i if you go to his imdb listing um his acting credits is 64 roles deep it's series regular on on shows you know regular guest appearance four or five episode runs uh all kinds of different things where he remained he re- he remained in the public spotlight which much like we see today, a lot of these NFL players, you know, become huge pitch men. Um, you know, they, they're hosting Good Morning America, you know, like so, you know, he was kind of not only kind of one of the players and personalities that made himself, you know, kind of a face of the modern NFL. He then stayed in the public's consciousness for the next 25, 30 years through through acting, being a spokesperson, being a pitchman that tastes great, less filling, you know, was basically, you know, he was kind of the star of those. So he also, you know, football is a tough sport for that just because the, the well, one, it's you, the most people on the field. And then two, they're underneath, you know, a helmet and pad. So it's not like you're not seeing faces. You're not like, you know, like a baseball or NBA uh, situation. So he was one of the first that actually was able to take the helmet off and build a reputation for himself as a player and a personality. Yeah, he's kind of the archetype of of um, the modern media athlete, you know, yeah. say it like that. And so that's why we, he, his... Um, his football career is a Hall of Fame level football career. Certainly, he's one of the greatest linebackers ever to play the game. But it was more than that. It was helped to create, helped to generate big time interest in the NFL back before Chris and I's time. But also, I mean, before him, there weren't a lot of athletes who did consistently did that, especially NFL players. So you're absolutely right about that. Um, he was kind of one of the first, and followed by guys like like um, Joe Montana was in the media after he retired. You know, Steve Young and guys like that. But all, I don't know if it started with Dick Buckus specifically, but he was certainly one of one of the few um, that started it for sure. So rest in peace to Dick Buckus. Um, and we just wanted the the for the really young of you out there who are younger than Chris and I. Uh, we wanted you to understand his role in the modern NFL. Yeah, I think if you were to sort of name two football players, you know, I want to give you one offense, one defense that sort of were the beginnings of this. It was, and they both actually passed away in the last six months, and that is Jim Brown and Dick Buckus. They sort of yes. both sort of very similar founding fathers of the modern NFL who then went on to be recognizable faces for the next 25, 30 years. Yeah. Jim Brown would have been the other one. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And and they're both considered, you know, one of the, you know, two of the greatest players who ever lived in any position for sure. Yeah. If you're still, if you're making like an all NFL 50 team or whatever, you, both of them would still be on it. Yeah, for sure. All right, Steve. Well, you know what's going on in the uh, roller coaster of emotions that is the uh, hog side. Oh man, I wrote a pretty negative column about the Washington Chicago game that was published uh, Monday. Um, I was uh, truly a bit shocked at how poorly the team prepared. But we will talk about all of that on the Hog Side podcast, which is released every Thursday, and we have all of our regular written content, all of our regular Washington sucks. Mostly and occasionally does good content. So check it out. <laughs> you don't, you, you can't blame, well, you actually still can, but you can't blame Dan Snyder anymore. No, you just blame the team sucks. Right. Yeah. But until they get rid of his meat shield, you actually can. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, Steve. Well, we will see you in two weeks.